Disclaimer, the views and opinions and content expressed on this podcast is informational only, not a substitute for seeking a medical professional for your medical care and treatment. Welcome back, everyone. This is Shafan Holiday, the host for Help Me Holiday. And joining me today is my daughter, Courtney. Hi. I'll be co-hosting this segment. And we'd like to welcome you guys back for another topic today. We're going to be covering uh, asthma. This is a another pulmonary respiratory condition that's very, uh, is very, very uh, common, commonly seen in medical emergency rooms across the country. People are, you know, constantly coming in for uh, this condition. So classic signs of and symptoms of asthma are intermittent, shortness of breath, cough, wheezing. And although typical of asthma, these symptoms are nonspecific, making it sometimes difficult to, to distinguish asthma from other respiratory diseases. So the the, the Definitive diagnosis of asthma requires a history or presence of respiratory symptoms consistent with asthma, combined with demonstration of variable expiratory um, airflow obstructions. So while asthma is readily recognized in its classic presentation with intermittent coughing, wheezing, and shortness of breath brought on by characteristic triggers and relieved by bronchiodilating medications, it is difficult to provide a definition that distinguishes asthma from similar and overlapping conditions. Um, therefore, we, uh, even though in the absence of definitive lab tests or biomarkers, asthma has uh, defied precise definition. Uh, clinically, its symptoms are nonspecific. However, physiologically, asthma is characterized by bronchial hyperresponsiveness, the tendencies of airways to narrow excessively in response to a variety of stimuli, stimuli that provoke little or no bronchial constriction in, in persons without as airway disease. But bronchial hyperresponsiveness is not unique to asthma. Pathologically, asthma may be described broadly as a chronic inflammatory disorder of the airways. However, this description omits the characteristic waxing and waning of airflow obstruction in asthma and fails to distinguish asthma from other inflammatory airway disorders, such as chronic bronchitis or bronchiolitis. In short, asthma is when you have these airways that start becoming very narrow, making it very hard to have air come in your lungs. It also causes the lungs to al almost spasm, which will cause the wheezing. That's why uh, we base asthma basically on what we observe, what we hear, and we do run some tests to see. But this is something that is diagnosed when people have been uh, seen at, in childhood, basically, and during their uh, adolescence. So, Courtney, can we go over some of the clinical features? of asthma? Asthma can actually develop at any age, and while it is a common disease in childhood, many children experience a remission period of their asthma symptoms around the time that they go through puberty. 
and with potential reoccurrences years later. Adolescents and adults who present with new asthma symptoms may have a history of asthma symptoms or diagnosis in childhood. However, some studies suggest that asthma is a late onset in around half of adults with asthma with differing clinical characteristics. A risk factor from and a risk factor and risk factors from early onset asthma. And and based on history, you see patterns of respiratory symptoms, correct? Yes. Yeah. That those occur following exposure to triggers like allergens, exercise, viral infections, and they resolve with trigger avoidance. So if you're not around these allergies or allergens, most likely you won't have the symptoms of shortness of breath. Um, also, some patients will report four, you know, four of four symptoms that's very classic, seen, classically seen in patients who have asthma. And can, can you just review those right quick, Courtney? Wheezing, wheezing is a common symptom that we see, and this sounds like a high-pitched whistling noise, usually upon exhalation so when you breathe out coughing is also another symptom as well as difficulty breathing and chest tightness and and also this cough is more prominent during nighttime so that's when you'll hear people who have asthma that's one of the uh common uh complaints they'll say they can't sleep at night because they're coughing uh the cough may be dry it could be mucoid uh or it could be pale uh, you may also, the patient might describe chest tightness. Um, they also may say it's a heaviness in their chest. And uh, they also uh, will, once again, talk about how they're having shortness of breath. So a lot of these symptoms are episodic. Uh, what do we mean by ep- episodic? When we talk about episodic, we're talking about symptoms that classically come and go. And with the time course of hours to days, resolving spontaneously with removal from the triggering stimulus or in response to an anti-asthmatic medication. Also, um, there's characteristic triggers, right? So you have patients that are saying, hey, uh, the triggers could be... Exercise, cold cold air, air. exposure Mm -hmm. to inhaled allergens um, are suggestive of asthma. Mm -hmm. So your provider is probably going to ask you a list of questions that -hmm. can help them decide whether or not you have a history of asthma and to determine what the triggers of your asthma could be. Right. Even dust mites. one of my other daughters uh, will be joining us later in the podcast, but she was having symptoms of al- uh, asthma as she was growing up. And it seems like every time she was around dust the mold, mm-hmm. she w- it would trigger her. She, w- she would start saying she couldn't breathe, she will cough. But even mold, furry animals, cockroaches, pollen, all of these can cause tr- triggers of uh, allergy. Uh, work-related exposures, if you're around... Um, toxic fumes or just, you know, uh, gases, certain gases can trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, family history. Uh, most people who have a family history of asthma tend to have these same symptoms. 
And uh, if you had asthma as a child, you know, we will be able to know that this is something that is probably a, a lifetime thing that you'll probably be diagnosed with later. Um, so the physical findings uh, are widespread, widespread high-pitched musical wheezes. They're characteristic features of asthma. Um, and like Courtney say, although the wheezes are not specific, they are usually absent between uh, when people are having exacerbations, meaning they keep com coming down with the same uh, shortness of breath and difficulty breathing. Uh, we do hear the wheezing when they're exhaling. That's when you hear it the most. Um, and then we also hear a lot of high-pitched noises coming from their upper airways around their their uh the trach and the, the larynx around the neck areas. Um, what else we are seeing with asthma? Um, also, people who are having severe problems with getting the air in and out, they start to have a heart, their heart starts racing very fast. They start breathing very fast, um, and uh, it's hard for them to get in the air. So, and, and you'll see them gasping for air and struggling to get air in. The neck muscles, will you'll start to see those being pronounced. So this is when you know the person is having a really, really difficult time with breathing. Um, there are um, nasal passages around, <coughs> I'm sorry, around the nose area. It can be pale and swollen. They may have nasal polyps. All of this uh, we will see when we're doing examinations. <coughs> so um, some of the ways that we evaluate um, for uh, asthma, we do pulmonary function tests. And these tests actually are a way of airflow. We, we use these to diagnose patients with um, uh, asthma. It's, it's a series of different tests that they do, including spirometry, which we talked about um, in our COPD lecture. There's blood tests uh, that we look for. It doesn't diagnose asthma, but what it do tell us is, you know, if the person may be anemic, if they uh, also may have problems with their allergy levels being high or their white blood cell counts being high. We also can test for allergies. Um, we can do imaging studies with <coughs> CAT scans, chest x-rays, um, and, and such. And um, we, how do we treat asthma? You know, there's different approaches that we do take. So, Courtney, just review those right quick. Um, how we base our treatment. The approach to asthma treatment depends on the frequency and severity of your symptoms, which includes asthma attacks, as well as your personal preferences and risk factors. Asthma is typically categorized as an intermediate or persistent type of Those illness. Those are the symptoms. You'll have either intermit intermittent or persistent symptoms. So if you have an intermittent asthma, um, how was that defined or characterized? People with intermittent asthma will have daytime symptoms that occur two or fewer days per week. Nighttime symptoms awaken you two or fewer nights per month, and asthma doesn't interfere with your daily activities. So it's suggested that you would be given a short-acting bronchodilator to relieve your asthma symptoms, which would be fewer than two days a week. And oral steroids are needed no more than once per year to treat your increased symptoms. And with persistent asthma, 
how how do these people look? These are patients that have symptoms regularly, and if you have persistent ag- asthma, there may be days when your symptoms prevent you from doing normal activities, and you may often be awakened from sleep. Yeah. So based on the frequency of symptoms as well as measurements of your lung function, uh, your provider will classify your persistent asthma as mild, moderate, or severe. And th- based on these, it will that will determine what medications you'll be prescribed. And just like we review with COPD, uh, we're using pretty much the same type of medications. We're using short-acting beta agonists. And once again, these are bronchial dilator- dilators that relieve symptoms rapidly by temporary, temporarily relaxing the muscles around narrow airways, allowing more air to get through. These medications are sometimes referred as quick-acting relievers or rescue medication. Some people also refer to them as emergency inhalers, but you'll see albuterol. That's our go-to drug. Um, and budesonide and fomoterol are the steroids. They're inhaled. You could take those, and they also open up the airways. And they're more long-acting. That's more of a long-acting agonist. Um, some other controlling medications are the... The short-acting beta agonists, mm-hmm. which are also commonly called SABAs. And these are a type of bronchodilator medication that's used to relieve symptoms rapidly by temporarily relaxing the muscles that are surrounding the narrowed airways. So this allows for more air to get through. These medications are sometimes referred to as a quick-acting reliever or a rescue medication, and some people also refer to them as emergency inhalers. Yeah, so we yeah we just said that. So yeah, basically, the stabas are that, and but we also use inhaled steroids, um, glucocorticoids or corticosteroids, and they decrease inflammation and swelling of the airways over time. Uh, the steroids are used to treat asthma. Uh, and, and actually help improve uh, the, the airways. Uh, so once again, uh, those are some of the medications. There's a, a whole gamut of other medications that's uh, with classifications that we did not review, but in a future podcast, we'll just specifically just talk about medications um, in an entirety because with asthma and with COPD, there's a lot of drug classifications that can be used, and based um, and uh, depending on who your provider is, they will decide what is the best treatment for you. Um, but what we do want to say, medications that we want to give for asthma attacks, let me just let Courtney just talk about that right quick because when a patient is having a asthma attack, every minute counts, and you need to have these medications with you at all times if you are a asthmatic. Go ahead, Courtney. So quickly, quick relief medications are some of the most common drugs that can be prescribed for patients, which include albuterol, levobuterol, or butasonide. Yeah, uh uh-huh, butasonide. The usual dose is two inhalers, or two inhalations, two puffs, or up to four inhalations when asthma symptoms are severe, meaning that you're short of breath even when you're sitting still. 
If you have these symptoms after 20 minutes, you can repeat the dose. Mm-hmm. There are also oral steroids, yes. and most providers recommend a 5- to 10-day course of oral steroids called glucocorticoids for asthma attacks. Exactly, exactly. Other medications may help treat related symptoms, but they do not improve breathing and should not be relied on to mm-hmm. treat an asthma attack. Absolutely. So these medications include antihistamines, cough suppressants, mucolytics, and ex- expectorants. expectorants. Mm-hmm. So cold and flu remedies do not help your asthma attack. Okay, the only thing that's going to help you is a albuterol uh, nebulizer, and you need to use those puffs immediately and get yourself to the ER. So we want to thank you once again. We uh, hope that this information helped you on some level, and we appreciate you tuning in, and we want to thank you again. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Help Me Holiday on our social media platforms or email me with questions at helpmeholiday at gmail.com.